0: Right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll and today Gabriel Iglesias, aka Fluffy, is the host of Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at C part Duh, and he's making his talk as Jericho debut today. I went to the secret Fluffy compound somewhere just outside of Los Angeles, sat down with him in his museum of VW bugs and buses, and talked to him about everything from comedy to cars to cruises. We also talked wrestling because, as you guys know, uh, or you're going to find out if you don't, Fluffy is a big wrestling fan. He even went to AEW's debut show in Las Vegas earlier this year. So let's get our laugh on with Gabriel Iglesias right now on Talk Jericho.
1: For those of you that don't remember, I used to say that there were five levels of fatness. Reason why I say used to say is because now there are six. Uh-huh, I met the new one in Las Cruces. Uh, the original five levels are big, healthy, husky, fluffy, and damn. People ask, what could be bigger than Damn. The new level's called, oh, hell
0: no. I'm here at uh, an undisclosed location, uh, of Fluffy's compound. And this is super impressive, man. Like, you've got a whole fleet of VW buses, and you've got pictures on the wall of everybody you perform with, and you've got Trans Am's, and you've got boxes of Funko Pops and merch and everything. It's like, it's kind of like the ultimate man cave. It's a stupid man cave. Uh- <laughs> It is. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, I, I found something
1: and I ran with it. Yeah. What made you uh, decide to to do this? I don't have a drug problem, so I had to spend the money somewhere. <laughs> but I'm, I'm <laughs> Like, hey, want, my, want to do some rails or get some buses? Let's get some buses. <laughs> right, right, right. Let's get some buses. Why VW buses? Uh, that was my first car. It was my first car. And so what happened was is that... Um, I paid a visit to Jay Leno's garage and his garage, it's not a garage, man. It's just, it's 400 cars and 10,000 motorcycles and it's, it's insane. And I spoke to Jay and he goes, well, listen, he goes, I, cause I asked him why so many? He goes, well, I have fun with them. He goes, plus it's one of those things where everything goes up in value. He goes, I'm having fun, but if I should decide to sell anything, which is rare, he goes, I'm not losing money. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. And I talked to his car guys, who are also Seinfeld's car guys, who are also Tim Allen's car guys. And uh, they said, well, are you are you looking for anything? And I said, well, you know, I, at the time, I, uh, my girlfriend' her first car was a uh, 1979 Trans Am, and I says, hey, well, can you help me find this car so I can get it for her for for Christmas? And they're within hours. They they call me back. They said we got pictures to send you. And I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. Next thing I know. To get the car but it's too early I'm st- it's still october christmas is you know a ways away and leno goes well if you like you can leave the car here you know he's got the space for it he goes mm-hmm. and then when it's christmas time bring her by he goes and she can pick it up here and i'm like that's awesome so once i got her, her car they said well if you ever need anything else i said well you know since my girl got her first car back i wouldn't mind having my first you know volkswagen yeah, they yeah. Said, you had a volkswagen and uh and i told him what kind of car and within hours they they had pictures for me and so i said okay and then they said, if you ever want another one, let us know. And I said, well, if you see something cool, let me know. The next day, they go, we got another one. And literally, this collection of, of buses happened in, in under a year. That's,
0: that's super cool. Like, like, my first car was a 76 Volari. Oh, wow. Like, old school. And the, um, they had moved. It was called Three on the Tree, I think. The, 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 it was yeah. a, a manual transmission uh-huh. where the drive shaft would be on the wheel. But they had taken it off and stuck it into the floor. So it was backwards. So reverse would be like where you're going into first gear, and oh, first gear would be like where reverse would be. It was very strange. So that was that was how I learned how to drive with an automatic transmission. So the first time I had a real automatic transition, I would always stick it into first thinking it was reverse and i scratched the front you know <laughs> but how did you end up getting a, 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 a VW Bug is your fir- Volkswagen is your first car that was the only option
1: uh you got to figure at the time I was 17 years old uh times were tough yeah, yeah. it's not like right now yeah. times were tough and and even though Volkswagen buses are very very they're, they're collectibles and they're worth you know upwards of $200,000 at the time uh I, I had a bus that I, I bought for 400 my brother helped me pay for the rest of it and it wasn't running. It was eight different shades of gray, you know, a yeah. primer, uh <laughs> had powder coat, it had Krylon. I mean, it was <laughs> everything. It was all kinds of different colors. And uh, he says, look, man, this is easy to work on. It's four bolts. We'll, we'll rebuild an engine. We'll have this thing up and running. And sure enough, it, you know, w- within a couple of weeks, we had that car up and running. Uh, problem with the bus is that, you know, unless you're on top of it, man, you, it, you're going to wind up pushing it at some point. Oh, yeah you know, wind up pushing it at some point, so.
0: But that's kind of a cool car when you have like a <laughs> bunch of friends, or the, bring the girls with you, and you got a little. little
1: Ain't no little... girl wanted to get in that freaking.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that thing looked like a hurt zebra with all. Of... <laughs> it was bad. It was bad shape. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is it with the communities and cars? Things though, like you said, you mentioned Jay, and you said Seinfeld is a car collector too.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, they're yeah. They're, they're next level. Uh, Seinfeld has has warehouses here in L. A. and New York of his collections and jay has a huge collection in in burbank i'm not giving nothing away by the way he's pretty public about it yeah uh and and so i have you know i want to be known as the volkswagen guy i just Mm -hmm. and jay even he asked he goes kind of boring you have the same car over and over and over i go but it's a cool car Mm -hmm. it's a cool car and it's again every time i get one it goes up in value it's 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 a volkswagen
0: bus museum is what you were saying yeah
1: i I love it i I love the bus and there's more buses than bugs because it's a bus museum.
0: Right, 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 right. And like you said, when 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 you're not on this planet anymore, you you want to turn this into I'm turning on. this into Mexican Graceland. I'm putting,
1: uh, I've let it be known that the public can come in. Don't forget to buy a fluffy t-shirt on the way out. You know, people point at the pictures, you know, and this yeah. is where Fluffy liked to eat and over here is where he like.
0: <laughs> now, let me ask this. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times. I honestly don't know. What, what is, where did Fluffy come from?
1: Uh, Fluffy was just a nickname from back in the day. I called myself fat around my mom and she said, no, no, mijo, you're, you're not fat. You're Fluffy. And it stuck. I talked about it on stage. At the end of the night, people would say, good job, Fluffy. And I was like, really? I go, my name's Gabriel, but you know, Fluffy stuck. Yeah. Half my name's already famous. The last name's Iglesias. That's already famous. I just got to work on Gabriel. (laughs) And and it was one of those things where Fluffy stuck Mm -hmm. and I could either drop the joke, which at the time I didn't have a lot of material. I had 15, maybe 15 minutes of material to my name, and Fluffy was one of the bits. Mm. And I'm like, uh, do I drop it? And it was one of those, I eventually learned to embrace it, and then I marketed and branded it. So now I own the word Fluffy. If you go online right now, Google, Bing, whatever you want to do, put in the word Fluffy, I'm the first thing that comes up. Really? You've, you've trademarked that term. I've done it so much. I, I, you know, uh, I come before uh, bunnies, quilts, comforters. Fabric softener, pillows, <laughs> any any other fluffy things you can think of. I, I'm the number Pop, one fluffy puppies, thing that pops up.
0: P- Pomeranians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, I beat Pomeranians, people. That's when you know you made it. Yeah. But it's a very it's a very uh, mm. pro wrestling idea to have a gimmick. You know, fluffy's your gimmick. So let me tell you something. I was very very inspired
1: uh, over the years of being a huge wrestling fan uh, by the way things. You know. Uh, the the things that that, that Vince did, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's like, hey, man, you get a great product, you market it, you package it, you 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 don't you don't skimp on the on the marketing and the branding. You make sure that you you put out a really good product, and people will will, will follow. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've studied the the merch, I've studied the you know the the way the production is. I'm a, I'm a big production guy, so I like angles, I like colors, uh, the kind of equipment that's being used, the amount of cameras. The, the editing and the on-the-fly editing. And so, man, it's like, and always evolving,
0: mm-hmm. always
1: evolving. You know, every year there'd be a new theme song. Every year there's like, okay, there's okay now let's try this, let's try this. Always changing, always evolving, always growing. And so I applied that to the business. Mm-hmm. I made sure that, that, you know, I'm not putting out these hokey freaking $2 t-shirts. I make sure that it's good quality. I make sure that the, the, the silk screen is good quality. I make sure that there's little tags, little details, you know any of the stuff, whether it's a bobblehead or, 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 coasters or, you know, pins or hats or whatever, I make sure that it's, it's good quality. It doesn't look like it's, it belongs at the flea market. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, everything has, has
0: good, good value to it. I'm really uh, excited about the uh, advent of the Funko Pop because bobbleheads really freak me out. I don't <laughs> like them. I hate, my bobblehead looked like Kurt Cobain. They cut my hair <laughs> off like at the chin because you couldn't have long bobblehead. And I'm like, this is really creepy for me. I don't like it. <laughs> but I see you've got boxes of Funko Pops out there too. Huh? Well, uh, the Funko's cute. The Funko's
1: just, it's a cute, you know, I had no idea how
0: big of a following. Huge. Uh,
1: I knew that it was big. I didn't know that it was to the point where pe- people, people are crazy. Mm. People are crazy. Um, from the, the, collecting them, you mean? Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Funko Fanatics, they're, they're next level. <laughs> they are next level. And that's a whole new world that I got exposed to recently. Um, I reached out to Funko Pop a few years ago and I says, hey, I, I'm I'm interested in having a, a Funko made." And they're like, well, you know, you're, you're not really our brand. I'm like, what do you mean I'm not really your brand? I go, I'm a comedian. I've been on television. Uh, you know, I've, I have an online presence. I, I think I'm definitely your brand. And they're like, ah, we don't think so. Hmm. And so they turned me down. And then I approached them a few years later. And I says, well, look, I go, it's me again. And they're like, we already told you, you know, you don't fit our brand, this and this and that. And I go, I says, well, I'd like to be at least get, be given an opportunity. I go, I'll, I'll take the hit myself. I'm not saying you guys got to make it. I go, I'll invest in myself. Hmm. And they're like, really? And I go, yeah, yeah. You just let me know. And I says, I, I I'm happy to do it. I'm the first one to do that. Wow. I went out and I approached them, and I gave them money to get this done. Interesting. And so the, right out the gate, they said, uh, they said, all right, well, you know, we need a deposit of such and such, and uh, it was it was over a hundred, and I says, okay. And they're like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, you sure? We need it all at once. I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I got you. I can handle it. And so <laughs> I got twenty it, VW buses. It, it I got, caught, I got it, it. It caught them off guard because they were. I think they were trying to scare me away by throwing that number. They at thought me. you were bluffing. Yeah. Right. And, and you know, as soon as that sucker cleared, they're like, "Oh, I guess we're doing this." And sure enough, and uh, the same week that my Funko Pop came out, another company named Sideshow Collectibles. They they do high end stuff, and they're always at Comic Con. <sighs> they had approached me to do a uh, a figure that was. Uh, probably twice the size of Funko and they wanted to release it at Comic-Con and so I'm like oh my god really and in this case they approached me so I didn't have to foot a bill on that one Mm -hmm. and so I had two figures that out of nowhere came out at the exact same time
0: so when you did that with Funko Pop did you get a piece of the revenue like okay I'll invest but to if you if I sell these I'll get a certain piece or how did you make your money back from that
1: Oh man! Well, uh, being that they didn't want to be in my business, they just said, "Well, we'll make the figures for you, and and you can take it from there." No. So yeah, each figure cost me, you know, so much, but all every all the profits mine. I don't I don't share it. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And so once once they sold out, and we called them and we said, "Hey, uh, we'd like to do a reorder." They're like, "What?" And I go, "Yeah." And I also want to make a new figure. Well, if you want to make a new figure, it's going to cost you. We're we going to play this game again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised they did that to you the first time, the, again, you know? So, yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, so it's, it's. I don't share it with them. That really surprises me because you have a huge fan base. And obviously, we've crossed paths quite a few times. I remember we were at ACDC at uh, Dodger State. Yeah. I saw you there. And, and then whenever I meet somebody, you know, just, fellow professional i do the research and, and check out the dude you know and your fan base is ridiculous it's huge i mean you're playing big rooms and you know I, we're looking right here at a carpet with of a ticket from madison square garden you know type of a vibe so it surprised me that they wouldn't have gone like uh headlines of madison square garden sells it out yes we'll do funko pops we'll do whatever you want you know i just think the comedians weren't on their
1: radar mm-hmm. you know a lot of times comedians are looked at and, and uh a buddy of mine, one of the guys who inspired me to become a comic, guy named Paul Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. He said, uh, he goes, you know, comedians are like the bastard children of entertainment. He goes, if Carlos Santana pulls out his guitar and he plays, no one says, I can do that. And Marlon Brando goes up there and he acts, no one says I can do that. He goes, but they see a dummy like me on stage and they're like, I can do that. <laughs> and so it's one of those comics that we're on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to you know mm-hmm. uh, being taken serious. And so and, and it's until you see somebody like a Kevin Hart going out there and, and, you know, killing it with movies and comedy and just, you know, he's the one that set the bar already. I, mm. I thought I was doing pretty good. And then Kevin showed up and I'm like, oh, my God.
0: Got- <laughs> <laughs> but being you, you mentioned Paul Rodriguez, my favorite one of my favorite roles is in Born in East L.A. where he's. He's uh, Cheech's Mexican cousin who speaks Spanish and the phone is ringing from behind the statue of Jesus Mm -hmm. and he thinks Jesus is talking to him. So this is back in the day when uh, we didn't
1: have voicemail.
0: There was a machine
1: called an answering machine. It was a- uh, Google it, kids. Yeah, Google it. It it was about the- I was going to say it was was smaller than a VCR, but that's something else you got to (laughs) Google.
0: Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So so they have the answering machine. So Cheech is calling home trying to get out of Mexico because he's stuck there. And Paul Rodriguez keeps thinking Jesus is talking to him. Yeah, because
1: the answering machine was behind the picture of uh, of Jesus Christ. (laughs) If I don't have my way, like when I go to drive throughs and they screw up my order, oh, I'm evil. (laughs) I go back around and I start ordering, but I throw them off by doing this, right? They'll come on the speaker. What kind a fantastic burger, how can I help you? And I'll do this. Hello, sir.
0: Cheeseburger
1: and order fries and a shake. <laughs> oh
0: my god, yes.
1: They can pull up to the window. Then I pull up. Oh, they're not expecting me. <laughs> oh, the look on their face is the best, right? Did you just order? <laughs> they come back with a bag of food you know um would you like ketchup that's where i let them have it oh my god yeah.
0: <laughs> when you were uh, did you are you an la kid yes so when you were growing up did you were you inspired by hispanic comedians or all comedians he,
1: uh, well paul was was a big influence uh, i was influenced also by uh, eddie murphy robin williams mm-hmm. those are the three the greats yeah yeah
0: so were you like a funny
1: kid in class or no i was super quiet and and my friends will tell you I'm I'm pretty quiet for the most part. I mean, if we're engaging in a conversation, I'm probably the one that speaks up the least, mm. or, or speaks yeah speaks up the least as far as like engaging. I listen a lot. Mm. I listen a lot, and so uh, you know you, li- you got to be careful with listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know why? Because <laughs> take- pe- people forget you're there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so what 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 made you finally go like I want to try like being a comedian? I loved the attention. I love
1: the attention, and so that's why when people say, "Hey, man, when you go out and people stop you," you know, how do you feel about that? I go, I, I like the attention. Mm-hmm. I do. Some people just want the money, uh, but I like being able to walk into a place dressed like like this. Uh, for the record, I'm, I'm wearing sweats, shoes with no socks, and a t-shirt and a, and a freaking uh, Game, Game of, of Thrones, Thrones t-shirt with a menudo stain on it. And <laughs> I can walk into a restaurant where people are dressed up really nice and and go up to the you know, the host and go hi. And if they recognize me, they'll they'll walk me past everyone that's there. yeah. and you know, money doesn't do that. right they, they, They're like they like you. they think like, oh man, you're here. Cool to have the chef come out and say hi and stuff like I like that. That's really cool. I enjoy that. I, I, like, I, I like knowing that I've affected people's lives in a real positive way and they want to come out and just do a little something nice, whether it's, you know, like, hey, welcome, try this. and it's, you know, I, I did something extra special for you. Mm. That's always nice.
0: I went to uh, the PNE in New Jersey. You might have played this, a big outdoor venue. And there's a band called Avenged Sevenfold playing. Mm. So I took Miz after one of the shows. He was a fan, so we went. And the seats we had were OK, but I wanted to go right to the front. So I just said, let's just go to the front. Let's go stand right at the front. So we went there. And uh, the security guard was like, this, "She was a lady? She goes, you can't stand here. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. It's OK. I know the band. And she said, like, no, you, you can't stand here. And I'm like, it's really OK. And she goes, you can't stand I said, well, I'm not going to move and miss is like what are you doing i said don't worry and she goes <laughs> and "She goes, okay so she goes and i see her walked up and she's coming down with this guy like he looks like andre the giant of security guards wow and Mrs. is like what do you doing?" i said listen we're in new jersey eight out of ten people know who i am here it's WWE territory it's jericho territory i bet you we'll be okay the guy comes down he's like hey chris jericho i went and saw your show last night in wildwood what are you doing perfect you want to stand here hey move away Give these seats up, put them there, put them there. And Miz is just like, I can't believe. But that's an example of not abusing your celebrity status, but I know people will recognize me and they'll be cool with me standing here. I'm not bothering anybody. I'm not doing anything wrong. But like you said, when you get that recognition, you kind of get through the rules sometimes. You know? Yeah. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you cut the corners, right? Uh huh. Oh, oh, this way. Yeah. yeah. Sure.
1: Oh, oh, you think you're standing in a good spot? No, no, no. Let me show you the real good spot.
0: <laughs> Next thing you know, you're on the stage. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you being being an LA guy and being you know a Hispanic, you must have a huge fan base in this city alone. This is the number one market. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This is home. So uh, this year I'll I'll be doing Staples. Hmm. So that's that's the that's the big the big play Staples and Honda Center. I mean,
0: these are huge arenas. Yeah. It's interesting to me, not interesting, but it's cool to see comedians still doing arenas and and always have, but you get the big top guys. Like a comedian playing an arena, you would never think that like when you first start. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because I mean, back in the day, you saw uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew Dice Clay was the first one you saw up there performing at Madison Square Garden in the round, Mm. you know, on this tiny little platform. Right. And I was like, whoa. And even if he only did it there, he he did it at the, you know he did it at MSG, mm-hmm. and so it was a big old deal. And I, I want to say it was one of his specials.
0: I remember that in they, the round. They did in the I round. Think It was even called in the round. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so since then, I mean, you had guys like Dane Cook, uh, Kevin Hart. Um,
0: I mean, uh, there's there's guys now like yeah, uh, you got Seinfeld. I mean, he now he just does small theaters, which really surprises me, but he probably likes that vibe better, maybe. But he was in arenas at times. Robin Williams Arena. Steve Martin was mm-hmm. an arena guy, you know. Over the years, it's interesting. Like a Dane Cook, not arena guy anymore. I guess guys come and go in the business. Do you see that quite a bit? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there, there's always
1: somebody coming up. You know that. You know the, that mm-hmm. more than anybody. There's always somebody coming up. There's always someone fresh and new. And and so it's always a a battle to stay relevant. It's a battle to stay interesting. What are you doing to evolve? Are you giving people the same thing? So, when I go up there on stage, I'll I'll let them know right off the bat if you came here tonight expecting to hear the same jokes from the Netflix thing, I'm sorry. It's going to be an all new show. And they cheer. And I go, some of this stuff is so new, it's going to be the first time I hear it too. Yeah. You know, and I go, because I I say, I'd rather suck and be new than Mm. than to kill it with old stuff because you're not going to grow. Well, and then you become just a nostalgia thing and people
0: know the punchlines.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll do that at the end. I'll do a couple old jokes, and, and this way, it's like, hey, all right, we got our classic, it's your greatest moment. hits, yeah, yeah. But I, you gotta always change. If you it, go see
0: ACDC, so you gotta hear them play, you know, Back in Black, right? Of course, right. You know? So you gotta do that. So, but with
1: bands, if you know, if, if you go out and all you're doing is new stuff, people get mad. Oh yeah, they want to hear, they want to hear the stuff that they know. Mm-hmm. So it works out even for comedians too. It, it, it does, it does. But you can't keep doing it because eventually people get tired of hearing the same thing. So you gotta switch it up you got to take chances. It, it the problem with taking chances though is that nowadays any little thing you say can be misunderstood, can be twisted, can be, you know, mm. and even someone like myself, I don't really push the envelope that hard, but I've I've caught myself in in moments where, oh shoot, somebody somebody got offended by that.
0: Cuz it's it's really bad nowadays for that. I mean, people will jump on you for anything. You know? I mean, I remember when I was talking about the the first cruise, and we'll talk about you coming coming on on the second cruise. But I said like because one of the big things about it, it's a it's a wrestling cruise, you know, it's a rock and roll wrestling cruise. But oh, is there? I remember people, one guy was like, "Is there even any chicks on this thing? Like, it's just gonna be a big sausage party?" And it's like, no, like there's thirty five percent women booked on this cruise. That's a lot of bikinis, and people f***ing jumped on me like, yes, <laughs> and the only people that weren't offended were the girls. They're like, "What are we supposed to wear?" Yes, we wear bikinis. Do you want us to wear a burlap sack? But there were so many bleeding hearts that were, all oh, they're just sex objects now. You just have women on to wear bikinis. It's, no, they're wearing bathing suits by a pool because it's in the sun and it's a cruise. Back off, you know. I'm telling you, it just any little thing. Yeah. Have you ever like what have you said? They've said something that. Oh, this people? this is a
1: good one. This is a good one. So you, uh, you've seen? I got I got dogs walking around the building. Yeah, little. I, I take I, I take my Chihuahuas everywhere. Mm. Everywhere they've been to like 40 states. <laughs> And I made a comment on stage about how um, I I walked into a Starbucks and some lady asked me, "Are, are your dogs service dogs? I said, no, they're chihuahuas. They're the opposite of service dogs. Right. And basically left it at that. Next thing I know, at the end of the show, I'm getting emails from people that have service dogs and they're like, you're making fun of us. You're being disrespectful. And I'm like, no, 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 no. All I said was that my dogs weren't. Service dogs. I didn't say anything negative. Right. I didn't make fun. I didn't crack no jokes. I didn't talk about any, any uh, mental health. I, there was nothing that I brought up other than the fact that I just said, no, my dogs are not service
0: dogs. They're mm. just chihuahuas. And that's enough to get... But the,
1: yeah. It, and it started a whole flood of emails. Are you freaking kidding me? Right. You and know? then you got
0: to apologize to the Service Dog
1: Association but of America. I, or Yeah. Yeah. No, and I'm not, I'm not trying to do that because I'm not in the wrong. All mm. I said was mm-hmm. that and... And, and, and you'll notice that the people that will come after you are, are clearly clearly not your fans. Mm-hmm. These are just people that heard something, that heard something, and now they're coming after you
0: because that's what they do. Right, They're right. freaking trolls. Your, your boys were talking about, I uh, said so I was probably drinking when I commented, but some pastor was mad at you because. Oh! <laughs> yeah. And I well, didn't even let remember Let me take a it. sip. Let me take a sip. Oh, here we go. All right, here we go. All right. Go for it. So, but, but I can't remember, they were telling me what it was, but what was, the pastor mad because you g- gave t-shirts away? What, what was the story? What happened? So what happened is,
1: is I was doing this show and, um, I made, I, I thought, you know, I, I get personal on stage. I talk about what's going on in my life. And I was mentioning the fact that I'm no longer in my relationship with my son's mom. And I was talking about how, you know, just the effects of, of, of sacrificing everything in order to get to the top. And, uh. I had gone up on stage that night, minutes after watching one of my dogs have a, a seizure, two seizures back-to-back, back, and then rushed to the vet to get him checked out. So I didn't know what's going on. I get up on stage, my dog's being rushed to the vet, and I'm trying to do this show. And so I'm getting emotional, thinking about my dog, back and forth. So I get off stage. I had a, a, I had a good set. I had a good set. I was up there for almost two hours, and uh, it was it was a big show. It was what, about like 10,000 yeah, 10, wow. 10, people. Wow. Big wow. show. And then so at the end, I felt bad that that I I was kind of out of it. So I'm reading my my social media and I'm like, okay, people are saying we had a good time, had a good time, had a good time. And one guy, I see the message and it says, uh, Gabriel was depressing. His show was depressing and disappointing. Oh. And I'm like, it's one thing to say, I didn't like your show. Your show was unfunny. I didn't think you were funny. But when he wrote depressing, I'm like, depressing? I'm like, okay. And anytime somebody leaves a negative comment, I always look at it like, you can take something from that. So I go and I look and see what they're all about. Because if I look and see that they're all, you know, if they're real conservative, what type of person, what are they into? What are their likes? What are their dislikes? And then it lets me know how I can adjust the material or if I should adjust the material. First thing I see, he's a pastor. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why are you you judging me, dude? You know, it's (laughs) like I'm looking through his thing and he's, you know, he's he's a legit pastor. And so I just wrote back what I wrote back, which is basically – you know, how are how are you judged? If you're a pastor, why are you judging me? Mm. You know, why are you saying this and that? I says if I'm depressing to you and I'm messing up your date night, I says, why don't you help me, man of God? <laughs> and I posted it. And uh, yeah, uh, he no longer has Twitter. Oh, he no wow. longer has Instagram. I didn't tell my fans, hey, go get him. It was just one of those things where I, I think that I called him out and I could have handled it differently, but I was... I was clearly, I was clearly depressed, mm-hmm. <laughs> according to him. But it was one of those. Yeah, uh, I, I had maybe three people that said, "You know, you should delete that and take that down right away." And then yeah. I looked at their accounts,
0: and they were very, uh, they were very religious You're people. Right? Well, that's, that's what your guys said. I love the post you said. I said, "What did I say? What did I say?" Oh yeah, was, uh, um, oh, I'll, I'll find it. I took a screenshot of it. <laughs> <laughs> they were telling me what it was, and I was like, I was probably. I,
1: yeah, would, I, would. I, I don't know. I don't. I love the fact that I'm reading the comments of how people are taking, and then I see you right at the top, and I'm like, <laughs> like
0: what? <laughs> and, and I I thought I was pretty bad. With, <laughs> uh, I, if <laughs> I was if I was blunt, it was because I was drinking. But that bothers me though. Like when people, you know, like you said, the, the trolls hit on my bros, so I had to say something.
1: Yeah, dude, you you lit this guy up in an epic fashion. I took a screenshot of it.
0: Where is it at? <laughs> because Jared a Bible name, right? Yeah, it is the walls of yeah. We're biblical people here. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and yeah, yeah. But and cuz Oh, I got it right oh. here. <laughs> you know who chimed in? You chimed in and
1: uh and Dustin oh, chimed in. Dustin Rhodes, yeah. Yeah. Uh you you wrote fuck off and then you included the guy's name. And then you wrote fluffy guy rules. And it got it got 4000 likes. And
0: ninety-one replies. So you started your own little little oh shit storm of a <laughs> uh, little bit harsh from the pastor. I apologize yeah. for that, pastor. If you're listening, uh, And then uh, been so uh, so stiff. Dustin jumped in there too. And then hey, and then to the guy's name, go f- yourself.
1: You're a dickless piece of crap. Jeez, I think you guys. I think he was trying to one up you. <laughs> what did
0: he say, man? We were really over the line on that one. <laughs>
1: When I was hanging out in Florida, I got a chance to experience an amusement park that was a little different. It was an alternative park called Gatorland. It's a real park, and I've met the owners, and they're really cool people. But I gotta tell you, best part about this amusement park is they have a recording. The funniest thing I've ever heard. You call this park, this is what you hear. You've reached Gatorland, America's premier gator extravaganza. You've seen him on TV, now come see him live. Gatorland, you're gonna love this park. Then he says this, for Spanish, press two. <laughs> oh, I gotta hear this. <laughs> I don't speak Spanish, but you're gonna love this park
0: how do you feel about that because you just it said something interesting because it's the way of the world now I'll do the same thing after a Fozzie gig or after you know a wrestling gig you go online to see you know what people thought of it now I know deep inside if it was good or bad no one has to tell me I know but I'm always curious to hear people's thoughts and, and reactions and once again knowing some people will like it some people won't do you do that every show to kind of get a sense of what it was like?
1: Yes. And and I think a lot of times we set our own personal bar so high that, that we can't, we can't believe that some like, really you, you, like you can't believe that a person really enjoyed it as right. much right, right, right because right. I mean, we've done it so many times that it's like, we're, we're almost numb to our, our, our own performance. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, ah, I could have done this. I could have done that. I should have done that. But to somebody who hasn't maybe been out in a year, and, like, they, they come out and they, they just had a, a great time. And so you got to take it for what it's worth. Uh, some people will say super positive, the best show ever, greatest time ever. Oh, my God, this and that. And some are like, you know, I really look forward to this. It was a nice time. Mm-hmm. And some are just like, uh, you know, I can't believe I spent money on this. Mm. Yeah. But, you said- but I always engage them. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. You go hey, back. Well, and- I'm, so, I'm sorry that you didn't have a good time. Hopefully, you you know, you'll come out to another show. Give me another chance. And then I'll, they'll go back and forth. Will you give me a half
0: price? Hell no! You still got to pay full price. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Give me half price. Oh, give me a break. But that's the thing. Like the the, the I think it was Dee Snyder told me one time. He's like, you know, you have to think about it this way. Like, if you had a shitty day, your dog had a seizure, right? But there's people that have been waiting for six months to see Fluffy, or maybe a year. Maybe they've been waiting ten years, or. or They've been, they got a babysitter and they've been thinking about this night. The tickets were given as a birthday present, whatever it is. You have a responsibility as a performer to do a show. Absolutely. Right? No matter what. Absolutely. And I think sometimes people, Forget that. Like you might be having a really bad day with some traumatic stuff, but you're still
1: you still got to go up there, and you know people have a certain expectation, and like you said, some you know they went to a lot of trouble to make that happen. Right, to be a there. lot of trouble, yeah. and and you got to do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I performed the day that my mom passed away. Really? Yeah. Uh, that that for me was one of the hardest ones, but it's That's like amazing that you were able to. I think I needed to be in a place mm-hmm. where where you know being being there at the. At you know at the hospital or being around all that that, that wasn't going to help that wasn't going to bring her back
0: do you start the show by saying hey i had a bad day today or
1: uh, no i i just went out there and, and went into autopilot and make mm. sure that just go out there and, and do the best that you can do and then i just you know at the very end i let the crowd know hey today was probably the roughest day of my life and then i explain it and then you know there's moments where people can say "All oh, was there that night mm. they, they saw a different side of me where it's like dude this guy's you know, I can't yeah. believe he just did that. Yeah. And then I just said, I apologize. I'm not going to go outside and do a meet and greet. I, I need to go home. Mm. And it was quiet and I left and it was just like, wow. Do you still do meet and greets after the show? I don't have set up meet and greets. You know, I used to do that and just, and then also I, I used to charge and I felt bad. I mm. felt bad charging because, man, you see some people that can't afford, they, they can barely afford the ticket to see the show. And now you want to, it's, you're going to charge them. Unless it's an event where it, that's all it's about, like a, you know, we were mentioning that you're doing the signing at Sons. I've done that too. And that's that's a different thing. But if, if it's after a show and people want to take a picture or something, most of the time they can catch me by the tour bus. And they do. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, they know exactly where I'm coming out. They know where the back door's at. They know where the back fence is at. And so, you know, if my rule is if we make eye contact and you yell at me, hey, can we take a picture. I'll always say yeah. Mm. And so my guys know already they're like hey, they, he can't see them he can't see them so they'll put up walls and they're like he can hear him but he can if he can make eye
0: contact it's over we're going to be here for another hour <laughs> right now you mentioned <laughs> to me earlier that you are on tour five nights a week we were at the at the
1: peak i want to say 40 well, 40 43 to 46 weeks on the road and then just you know taking the little breaks here and there and you have your own tour bus
0: yes Does it have like Gabriel Express on the side. All
1: right. So the first time, the first time I I had a tour bus and our first tour, it was the Fluffy Shop Tour. Comedy Central was sponsoring it. And so they said, would you like your bus wrapped? I'm like, are you kidding me? I would my face on the side of a bus. Yeah. Hell yeah. So they put my face on the side of the bus and uh, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And when when you're parked in a parking lot and people are knocking on your door at 4 a.m., right? Wake up, Fluffy! They're shaking the bus because they know you're in there. People started following the bus. We couldn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I remember uh, hearing Dave Chappelle talk about when he went out on tour and he had a bus wrapped. He said that was the worst idea ever. And so now my bus is just matte black, mm-hmm. matte black, and it's got a, it's got a little uh, watermark logo on the back. Which I think is going to come off as well because people, people have been following people even it. People know that now, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, and this is once again, you're talking like you know, high class. This is being in a rock and roll band touring. on the Oh, bus. I got I, I, real quick. I got to share this one. So we were going from
1: um, Arizona to California, and they have an immigration checkpoint uh, in between the two, and we're going on the on the bus that has my face on it, and they stop the bus and. <laughs> For some reason, the dogs were losing their shit. They're barking up a storm. And I had a couple guys that, you know, had glaucoma, uh, <laughs> but, but they got rid of whatever they had. But those dogs can smell anything. Next right. thing you know, we're all outside of the tour bus. We're against the wall, the wall of the bus. I'm looking at my face on the bus <laughs> and I'm just like, are you freaking kidding me? And so we're on the side of the road. We're being questioned for everything. And every couple seconds, a car's driving by and you hear, you fluffy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let them go <laughs>
0: <laughs> We're out there I'm like oh my god Did you eventually uh, you Oh they just, eventually uh, let us go
1: yeah, yeah but it was one of those like, Are you
0: kidding me We were uh, in Vancouver Driving through to Seattle on, on, a, on the bus And you go through The Canadian border And they pull us over And they go search the bus Same thing And dude we were there For like Like two hours And the guy comes in He's like you know We found some illegal Contraband mm-hmm. on your bus and my guys, we're all cool. No one's into drugs or whatever, you know, a little drinking here and there. But I'm like, what did you find? It was a box of Uncle Ben's rice. And you can't bring rice, like certain kind of like instant rice over the border because it might have. Because like, it was black. It <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> might have like boll weevils in it or something. Like, what the f- is a bull weevil? I never even heard of a bull weevil. And they it's just, like a beetle, right? It's like yeah. a beetle, but I guess it's very uh, uh, infectious and. We sat at that freaking stop for four hours while they debated whether to arrest us for having the box of rice. Seriously, like, come on, guys. You got nothing else to do? Because, you know, you're a rock and roll band. Long hair, and everybody's, you know, looking like a rocker. But they, you know... They're the, sweating you over Uncle Ben's. Uh, Uncle Ben's. That's an asshole Uncle Ben. Do you... Because uh, we're talking about, you know, being on a tour bus and having all these big gigs of 10,000 a night and all this other stuff. Do, where was your... Do you remember your first performance? Your first gig?
1: Uh, first, well, first gig was, uh, April 10th, 1997 here in Long Beach, California uh, at a little hole in the wall performing for like maybe 13 people.
0: Was it an open mic or was it? It was,
1: a- it was an open mic. It just went up there and, uh, somebody in the crowd who booked the comedy night saw me and he, and he booked me to come back the following week. Mm. Uh, first paid gig,
0: $20. <laughs> I was like, I made it. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> Because it would seem I like. I did
1: this in, t- in 10 minutes. <laughs> 20 bucks. 20 bucks in 10 minutes.
0: My first gig, first wrestling show, I made 30 bucks. I'll never forget. It was a white envelope. It said Jericho on it without an H, J-E-R-I-C-O. And there was a 20 and a 10, 30 bucks. And I used to work at the freaking grocery store, put in four, you know, uh, eight, 10 hours a day, and you make 40 bucks. And like you said, for 10 minutes, I got 30 bucks? I'm rich. You couldn't believe you could actually make money doing this.
1: And would you ever take a calculator and try to calculate, like, if I, if I wrestle
0: for an hour, I would make this much? <laughs> it never quite works that way, but of course, absolutely. Because <laughs> it would seem like being a comedian in L.A. would be like trying to be an actor in L.A. or, or in a musician. Like, it's, it's a hard market to break into. I had to leave L.A. in order to,
1: to work and become a comic because getting stage time around here was very very hard. you had to know somebody you had to have credits you had to be in the mix already and so the first time I actually hit a comedy club was in El Paso, Texas uh, I performed at a club called Bart Reed's comic strip first time out there I was hosting and that was my regular gig I would go there four times a year as an MC because you could you know they could keep using you because you're only doing 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. and then eventually uh you know I had I got I got enough. Tape at the time that was all about you know, can you can you get the footage? Can you get the tape? You know, send me your tape. It was all about send me your tape, a video or audio? Uh, video, okay, video. You know, send me your videotape, your VHS. Now you, you post something online live, mm. you know, but back then you had to actually get a camcorder, which is a, a camera, and record yourself okay. and then package it, research an address, go to the post office, mail it. It was a lot of work to get your stuff out there. Whereas now it's that's why I tell comics nowadays it's like. You got, you got so much in your technology at your fingertips. It's like you didn't have to do what, you know. And then I sound like that guy. Back in my day, we had to f- put flyers and, and stand in parking lots and talk to people and <laughs> yeah, right, invite right. them. And and, and, and so uh, eventually I was able to get myself into, they'd have theme nights in L.A., so they'd have the Latino night. And so that little by little going up, performing there, having your, your the, the backdrop of the Laugh Factory, like showing that you're legit. You know what I mean? And maybe you were ready, maybe you weren't. Mm. But it took time before I was actually accepted. You know, because in LA I could do bars, holes in the wall. Mm. You know, it was not a comedy club, and so all the shows that I did, it wasn't really comedy conducive. You wouldn't always have the audience right in front of you. Sometimes you have to perform, and the audience is to the side, and then you have like eight people over here. And so how do you (laughs) how do you perform to everyone? You know? Right. Right, right. right, Or sometimes the stage was in the middle and you'd have people in one side of the room and people on the other side of the room. And so it's not even like performing in the round. You'd have to literally tell jokes to this side and then <clears throat> walk over to this side. And then it was you, you just took any gig. I performed inside of swimming pools that were empty. I performed in backyards. I did weddings, quinceañeras, uh, <laughs> graduation parties. You know, sometimes they were listening. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes they had a sound system. Sometimes they didn't. Sometimes it was a karaoke machine. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm a diva now. I'm like, no, no, it's gotta be high-end karaoke. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the swimming pool has drunk. to be full now.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Performing when <you> on <laughs> it. What was it that that when was when was your breakthrough from going from all these places to start doing these bigger rooms?
1: Uh, I think once I got on Hey, oh, my voice cleared up. Uh, once I got on Comedy Central uh a special and I, I had a, a special. After that, I was like, okay, the, the gigs started getting better. I was uh, performing more at colleges. That was a big thing. Those are M- good gigs, right? Yeah, very good gigs. And then uh, there, there's a show that came out on a station called Galavision. Uh, at the time, it was called Que Locos. And it was English comedy on a Spanish network. They mostly had soccer. It was always sports, soccer, 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 soccer. Mm. And they had to fill the, uh, the rest of the time. And so they, they would always replay this comedy show. And man, they they they'd play it so much where people just knew if you if you left it on long enough, you'd eventually be watching comedy. Mm-hmm. And there was only a few a handful of comics at the time. George Lopez was one of the guys that was in the mix. That show blew him up and got him to that next level where he was able to get his uh, sitcom. Sitcom, yeah. And then after that, he his took off. Variety show, and, and yeah. that show also gave me a huge platform and and what what got me started with my root fan base.
0: Hmm. Do, do you uh, is there a kind of a um, affiliation and a club and a brotherhood amongst other Latino comics? Some yes, some no.
1: Mm. Uh, it's it's weird. You know, there's always it's there's always jealousy. There's always uh, you know, oh, I'm better. This and this and that. I think that a lot of times, if you focus on yourself and just do what you got to do and avoid the bullshit, which is hard sometimes because mm-hmm. you know somebody gets in your ear and you're like, you always want to call someone out on it. And there's always somebody that's that sees what you're doing, that, that doesn't like what you're doing, even though you're doing it better than they are.
0: And so it's, it's just one of those things you got to deal with, and it's how you deal with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's this, It's funny because I was just thinking, you know, you're talking about the smaller clubs. I used to go see uh, – I'm sure you might have played their side splitters in Tampa. It's like ah, – Ha! Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good room. Good room, yeah. I enjoyed that room. They had one of the best sound systems. You show up there and you're like – what is this place? It's kind of in a strip mall, but it's a really nice place. But I used to go see Sebastian Maniscalco there all the time, and then he just sold out three nights at Madison Square Garden. Yeah, you know, it's it, I couldn't believe it because it was only like some two years ago, and in that time frame, he had a comedy special, had this, had that, and boom. It just happened for him, and it's mm-hmm. the same thing with, with you, where these you guys play these rooms, and then you do a special, and then now you're doing arenas. Like it's a pretty uh, it's a pretty fast ride when it starts going. Another thing too is that moments like that can happen
1: now because of you know social media, mm-hmm. uh, and I've seen comics that are ready for it, mm-hmm. and I've seen comics that aren't ready for mm-hmm. it. Now how do you mean? Uh, well, having the amount the amount of experience, I mean, it, it's it's different to go from a club to an arena. If if you don't have enough time. Uh, it'll 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 throw you off uh, if you don't have the material. Right, 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 right. Yeah, the material you... first and foremost because it's like, all right, we've seen your stuff on TV. That's why, you know, uh, I make it a point to always change the set, always grow it, always add more. You know, work on it, and and sometimes they get put into this thing where it, it takes a while to come up with an hour of material, and so to go from a club and then all of a sudden, boom! Look what happened. Yeah. Some people say, you know, he was funnier when he was when he was at the club he was funnier that's a great point yeah so, so some comics definitely prepared they're very you know like uh, I'll, I'll give you an example Bill Burr is one of the funniest guys out there and, and he's always coming up with new stuff and it's just he puts out a special like every couple of years and you would think that it'd get weaker with, with time it's like you know uh, oh here's another one here's another one here's another one he's eventually gonna run out of gas and dude's got a bottomless tank hmm. you know and then there's, you'll see other guys, and you're like, "Oh, wow! His ooh, mm-hmm. ooh! They're really talking to the f- crowd a lot."
0: Mm. Like you know? what do you mean, like like improving because they
1: don't have? When you see a lot of crowd work in a, in a set, that's yeah, that they're they're reaching. Oh, they're reaching. Gotcha. If, if, if it's just, "Hey, so where are you from? What's going on? Oh. How you doing? Doing all right? Okay, <laughs> what do you do?" Ah, uh, then that's y- you the know, sign. You know, interesting. And if, if that's the whole set, then then yeah. Mm. I mean, and, and on the problem too is that the management teams will push them even if they're not ready because it's the the opportunity is there and you never want to waste an opportunity. So of course you'll have different people in your ear trying to push you certain ways and it's you just got to be ready, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why I say sometimes it's it's the right time, sometimes it's not the right time.
0: How do you – this is interesting to me as a musician, like when we started playing more arenas with Fozzie, like, you know, when you when you work a club, it's a smaller room. And like, you, like, you know, sometimes you go on a stage and it's in a corner and there's half a crowd here, there's half a crowd there. But most of the time you're playing a club, here's the crowd. And you work here and you work here. But then you go to an arena, it's so expansive. As a musician, as a, as a front man, you're reaching out, you're looking around, you're moving from back and forth and trying to make as much contact and be as big as you can so the people in the back row can see you. As a comedian – How do you play to an arena in comparison to playing to a club? Well, fortunately now, I think that with the
1: jumbotrons and the screens, and people can see you a lot of times better by looking at the screen than looking at the physical person. Right. Unless you're close enough. Mm -hmm. And I find that, uh, you know, for me, I always get in that hole. I just want to try to make eye contact with as many people as possible. But then I watch footage of myself in a big room. And I noticed that as if I just play straight and I play to the camera, I'm actually playing to the entire room. And uh, one guy that does that very well is Kevin Hart. I watched the way he does it where, you know, he doesn't go to the left. He doesn't really go to the right. He'll just focus on the cameras because the cameras are going to put your best face forward to the crowd. Hmm. And uh, you just got to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. With music, it's music. But because you got the tempo, but with the comedy, you really got to slow down to allow time for the bit to go out, people to receive it, react to it. And then, you know, it's it's a little, it's a a dance, a dance, right? Because you don't want to start talking while they're still laughing. That's the secret. Yeah. Yeah. Timing
0: wise. Do you, uh, you mentioned Kevin Hart a couple of times. Is he someone that you keep an eye on as a guy? Like, you know, as big as I am, I want to be Kevin Hart. The level? I have no desire to be Kevin Hart. I mean, <laughs> that man, that man
1: has to schedule restroom breaks. Really? I mean, I work hard. I uh, no doubt, but uh, that that guy is is. Uh, I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he does it. I, I go, I go on. His, so I look at his social media, and I get tired. He's at the gym. Hey, what's happening, people? I'm at the gym, gym right now. It's four o'clock in the morning. I gotta get my workout in before I start my day. And then next thing you know, he's he's on the shoot. He's on the set. He's he's in a van. He's on his way over here. He's he's at an award show, and now he's getting on a jet, and, I, and he's on the other side of the world. And I'm like, dude, I'm. I got my family, and he keeps having more kids. When do you find time to grow your family? And and he's you know he's in his backyard. He's in the gym. and I'm just like. Dude, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm very impressed and and I I get tired. Mm-hmm. I get tired. I'm like, wow, that's a lot. That is a lot. I I, I want to enjoy some of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he's not enjoying it, mm-hmm. but he his work ethic is his next level. And uh what I'm striving for is more so I just want to keep what I have. Mm-hmm. I'm happy where I'm at. Mm-hmm. And if I don't grow it anymore, that's that's fine. Um there's some stuff I'd like to do and if if I can do it, that'd be great. You know, I plan on doing a movie. I don't know that I want to do 30 <laughs> in a year, like Kevin. <laughs> right. I'd like to be able to do a film. Uh, I'm, I'm, You know, I'm working on the sitcom right now. Uh, by the way, just got approved for season two. Congratulations. That's on yeah, Netflix. That's on Netflix. Yeah. So we'll be doing that. What's it called again? Mystery Glacius. Mystery yes. Are you a teacher or? I'm playing a teacher. Yeah. I'm playing a teacher. And then, of course, I'm on tour. Right. So if I can just keep this going, that's great. If, I, if I'm not playing arenas anymore and I can still perform at comedy clubs, I'm happy to do that. I just want to continue to just enjoy what I have. I had to take it easy with the voices once I got one with my girlfriend. She, uh, she used to think it was cute, but then, you know, I scared her. <laughs> one night we're in the room and she's like, ooh, what are you gonna do to me? And I was like, you're gonna get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: we used to role play we used to play white house oh that was so much fun back in the day i'd wake her up at three in the morning <coughs> she's like who is it i was like you know who it is <laughs> Ay, senor, i don't speak english
0: <laughs> hell yeah our mutual friend brad williams you know he was on the, the jericho cruise last year and he was saying, you know, Fluffy wants to go. And I would—I thought about asking, but I was like, you know, I i, I don't have Fluffy type money because no, he doesn't. He just wants to go. I'm like, OK. So I reached out to you and we were able to work it out. But I thought it was really cool because when obviously your people are like, guys, this is Fluffy you're talking about here. But the message came back to me that you said, like, I want to do this. I want to go. It's something personal for me to enjoy what I'm doing in life
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that you made it happen. I thought that was really cool.
1: Yeah, I pissed off the suits, no doubt. Right. They're like, you know how much this guy goes for? And I'm like, I, don't, I just want to do it. And yeah. they're like, but you should be getting paid this. I just want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they only see numbers. And, and right. you got to respect that's their hustle. That's what they do. That's what they get paid for. So they're not there to to, to make sure that you have a good time. Mm-hmm. All they care about is that did you make so much money because they're getting a piece of it.
0: Right, right. But, you, but once again... You need a life. Too. I
1: need a life too. I got things that I enjoy doing, and yeah. So they already know. During April, don't don't book nothing because you know they know that I'm, I'm attending certain wrestling events. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they, now
0: they're going to know about Comic Con. So yeah, Comic Con time, hey, leave me alone. January 20th 24th Jericho yeah. Cruise. Yeah. Yeah, there not you available. go. Yeah, that's that's cool. I'm glad you're coming. It's because it's a blast. You're going to have such a great time. We had so much fun last year. And, uh, I'm telling you, I watched half of the half
1: of the the, the thing on on uh, DDP's storylines. <laughs> he documented that entire cruise, and I'm like, "This is so cool!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Over here, look at the suite, the Jericho
0: Goddess. Mm-hmm. Look at this room. Look at this balcony. You know, and you're up in that Haven. It's like called the Haven, which is like a very private area. Everybody's cool up there. You'll be up there with Ric Flair. We'll be up there with his family. Ric Flair's on there. the tour. Oh, dude, yeah, he's up in the Haven with oh, you. You'll see man. him. You, and, I, and when I came, we came into your, to your inner sanctum here and there's a Ric Flair mural on the shrine. Wall. <laughs> Have you ever met him? Uh, I've
1: met him just a, a couple times. I got a picture. Of, it was real quick, but mm. I, I haven't had a conversation
0: with him. You see, know, he's always got 20 people around him at all times. But see, here's the best part. And this is why it's great for you to be on the cruise. You're going to get to know Ric Flair because we'll be together for, you know, three, four days, whatever it is. So I'm happy now to know that you're a fan and that you'll be able to interact. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I, uh, yeah. I got the, how, how big is it?
1: What is that? 20 feet? Uh, t- 10, 10 by 20? 10 by well, M- little the wall. mural? Oh, my yeah, little, my is Probably,
0: yeah, it's a King Kong's face. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned it to me earlier um, when we talked about the cruise. And you said, you know, you tell your your, your your suits that there's certain people that are acts that you want to open for. And they're telling you, well, you're not an opening act, but there's you still want to do it. Who, who are some of the people that you want to open for?
1: I wanted to open for Willie Nelson. Uh, big fan of Willie Nelson. And, he, and he's one of those, he's like one of the last of the living legends who's still out there grinding it. I want to say he's like 78 now.
0: I think so, yeah. And, and he's
1: still doing the Coachellas. He's still doing the stage coaches and just touring and i'm just like man i've been such a big fan of his forever and so we reached out to the to the Willie nelson camp and they had no idea who i was and like what well, this you want what the comedian Willie doesn't have a comedian on the show and i realized that i would just like to just do it once and we couldn't find uh, the right time for it you know they they were willing to go for it but it just it, it was one of those timing things so I, I wanted to open for Willie, uh didn't get to do it uh, hooting the blowfish that was another one but hooting the blowfish weren't together so it was just a, a darius rucker show mm-hmm. so you did yeah, i got to oh, yeah, yeah that's cool and then uh darius went up there and he sang purple Rain." this is dedicated to fluffy and he sang purple ring to me and i'm like oh my god i was geeking out in the corner <laughs> <laughs> he sang purple Rain" to me because he, he knew that was my favorite song oh, okay yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah uh shoot i'm trying to think of other groups uh, uh frankie valley really yeah, I got a so I, I got a chance to uh I got Singer a chance to Brees. meet him. Didn't get to open for him. I got a chance to meet him and talk to him and and hang out with him. Super nice. He actually wanted to do do shows. Like, yeah, let's go on the road and this and, that. and then of course the suits. Mm.
0: They're like, you know, this ain't the '60s. This ain't the '60s. What the hell are you do a <laughs> Because that used to be the way it was. That a comedian, like Frank Sinatra, had Tom in open for him for years. Who was a yeah, comedian. all these all these singers had had comics yeah. that opened for him. That's usually how you got to do big shows was opening for four singers Mm -hmm. it's funny because on this last metallica tour they took out jim brewer what yeah and i was like and then kiss took out a painter a live guy who paints on stage and i Mm -hmm. was like i'm going about all about this the wrong way i'm in a rock and roll band that wants to do an arena tour with kiss and metallica i gotta put down the guitar and start painting or learn how to tell jokes (laughs) (laughs) Is it? I mean, you're you're such a funny guy. And you so just cute. put somebody through a table, dude. <laughs> you
1: do, yeah, set it on fire, put someone through a table. Let's start the show. I'll throw
0: the guy through the painting, and yeah. then we can. I'll do my. We'll play with Fozzie for kiss. When you uh, um, open for a, a band, is it a different vibe, or is everyone just happy to see you because you're fluffy?
1: Sometimes, uh, sometimes you get the crowd, mm. and sometimes they're like, "Hurry the hell up! Mm-hmm. We want to see our band." Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't care. They don't you know, they're 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 still trying to find their seats because, you know, if you're there, if you're there to open up, you're going to see people that are showing up late. The lights are a certain way. They're not set for the performance. They're just set for people to find their seats. You know, there's you can still hear the noise in the lobby. There's all these obstacles that the that the main act is not going to have. So you're just there to get them ready.
0: Right. Is there uh, any uh, like comedians that you would want a bucket list open for?
1: I did get to open for George Carlin. Oh, That wow. was awesome. I got to open for him at the Comedy Magic Club twice. That's cool. Uh, that was that was pretty awesome. That was pretty awesome. i was just Super like, funny, oh, my God. Uh, I did get to open for Robin Williams one time. Really? Yes. And he crashed my show. And they told me he's going to be there and he wants to go on after you. And I'm like, well, technically, that means I'm opening for him then.
0: Were you at a comedy club where he just showed was up? at
1: the Comedy Club in uh, Hermosa Beach. Okay. okay. Comedy Magic Club. And so I got to introduce him. Ladies and gentlemen, Robin Williams. And they're like, no way. And then he walked out because it was a small club. Yeah. The club holds like 200 people. And they're like, he's not here. And then he walks out and it just, oh, my God. You know, it's freaking Robin Williams. And so I I started crying. i like, I can't (laughs) believe I'm opening for Robin. Uh, So, yeah, I got to open for him. Uh, Let me see. I'm trying to think of other. Open for Roseanne. Uh, uh, Mm. I mean. The big ones were definitely
0: uh Robin Williams and and uh And this is like when a guy George was Carlin. maybe trying to work out some new material or something so he'll go try it at a small club is that what he was doing there or was mm-hmm. he just yeah he was working on his last special Oh okay both of them were there working on specials Robin was working
1: on a on his last HBO special and so was uh so was Carlin
0: I've heard a couple rumors and it maybe just been from Wishful Thinking, but have you heard that Eddie Murphy's thinking about doing some some stand up again? I heard that, you know, Netflix
1: offered him a chunk of change to come
0: out of retirement and do another
1: comedy special, maybe two. Mm.
0: Uh
1: I think that people would watch. Oh I, I think I think that, that Netflix me? Netflix is smart. They know the the analytics and stuff, and so people would definitely tune in to watch. I just don't know how the the set's going to go because mm. he's been gone for so long. And just based on interviews that I've watched of Eddie lately, I, I don't know if he if he's excited about doing it. I don't know how he's going to approach it because it's not 21 year old Eddie Murphy. Now it's 58 year old Eddie Murphy. And so what is he going to talk about? How is he going to relate? If you've been away from people for so long, it's, it's really hard to make that connection again. And so in order to build up his set, he's going to have to go and, and get his feet in the dirt. Get get you know get, get out there and just grind it. Someone's going to wind up f- taking video footage of him working out material, and that's the sad part because you want to see the finished product. But nowadays everybody's got a camera, so he's going to have to hit hit the clubs or have have really good writers, mm. and he's going to have to perform the bits.
0: It's an interesting point, man, because like you said, a twenty one year old Murphy who is, you know not pissed off at the world, but he was a black guy in, in the early 80s and there was a lot of routines that you could never get away with nowadays. His act would not fly None today. of it. None of it. You know? I mean, like Dude. I might even have to beep that just saying it, but his whole routine was about that and gay people and all that sort of stuff. You couldn't get away with that now. None of it. You know? None of it. Oh, man, yeah. 19 red flags that would pop up oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Out, out the gate. And then if he comes back and doesn't do that sort of a bit, then, then maybe he doesn't... He, Maybe if he's reflecting on his past or something, but it would be hard to do, and maybe that's why he hasn't done it in so long, you know.
1: I I I just think that once he got into his groove of of doing film, yeah, that's he stayed in that lane, right. And I mean, you got to figure those those two comedy specials that he did, even if he never did any specials ever again, those were two of the most just iconic Iconic specials. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like I've done what seven, eight, and I'm like, they're still not
0: at that level. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like if you're our age, <laughs> <They're> still- <laughs> everybody knows Goonie Goo Goo. Yeah, everybody. Yeah, like you, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you <laughs> still funny to this day. Mm-hmm. As we wind down here, uh, you've mentioned wrestling a couple times, and I know you're a huge fan. Have you always been?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Since WrestleMania three, really? Yes. Which was nineteen eighty seven? Detroit, Silver. Yeah, Pontiac Silverdome. That's the first WrestleMania, or I saw WrestleMania two was my first one. Yeah, yeah so. WrestleMania two was that
1: one where they uh, they had it broadcast from three different locations. Yeah, Chicago. So I think it was Chicago, L. A., and New York. New York, right? Right. Yeah. So, back, back then, it was closed circuit. Yeah, it was at a closed circuit location. I don't
0: know what the hell that meant. <laughs> I I went with my friend to the closed circuit. We basically it was a giant TV in the arena, and I remember he was so disappointed, was like they don't have any live matches, and I'm like, no, you just we paid money to watch TV in an arena. This is stupid. Like, who would, why are we doing this? Like the fact that you are actually not seeing anything live, but that's how you would see this is pre pay-per-view. Yeah. You know, like now I'll watch fights like that.
1: You know, like I'll, I'll be in Vegas. I can't get a ticket to a fight. So I just go to, you know, one of the casinos that'll have a a closed circuit. Thing. It and it's there. cool when you're there sitting there with freaking, you know, 2000 people in a yeah. banquet hall yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's TVs all over the place and you can get to a bathroom without a problem. <laughs> yeah. It's not
0: bad. Yeah. It's still, it's still good energy. Who are, who are some of your favorite wrestlers uh, ever? Man, I don't think we have time. Mm. <laughs> so you're big time, yeah.
1: Some of your favorites then. Um, past or present?
0: Give me uh, a few from the past and a few from the present.
1: Uh, Well, present company excluded. Uh, <laughs> uh, Stone Cold was always, you know, for me. It just, I always enjoyed I, I liked him more than the rock i was a huge hogan fan until stone cold came along and i was just always like stone cold stone cold mm-hmm. and and so getting to meet him it was was not a disappointment because right. it wasn't like it was in the ring it was like this is stone cold steve austin coming at you and then meeting him in person it wasn't like hey hello my name is steven you <laughs> know it, it was the same dude and yeah. that for me was like awesome like oh this is so cool yeah, yeah. um big fan of jake the snake mm. Jake the snake was one of those like, you know, he would never yell. Yeah. He was always quiet. And, yeah, you can you hear about a man and and you're just like, oh, what's he saying? And he, he and the snake, you know, like snakes freaked me out. And so it was always one of those, like, ooh, and he'd he throw the snake into yeah. the ring and everybody would
0: <gasps> I got another surprise for you. he's on the cruise too.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, I I became friends with Jake uh, oh, okay. through through DDP. Yeah, through DDP I, I became friends with uh, with Jake and with Scott. Oh, okay.
0: Scott Hall? Yes. Both of, all three of them are on the cruise. It's like your old home week, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is the you reunion. Yeah. <laughs> you should be paying me to go on the cruise now. Cabin still available. <laughs> Although not anymore. We're sold out now. Oh my God. Um, Bring great by tents Yeah. But you mentioned that you went to uh, uh double or no- uh, double or nothing in-, in Las Vegas, AEW's first. I interview. was very impressed. Interesting. I was very, very impressed. Now tell me your thoughts as a, as a fan who hadn't seen
1: AEW before. Um, I had, you know, I had certain expectations because I mean, you know, you guys were pumping it, pumping it up, and all the promos. Again, big fan of of, of good production. The the promos had a high production value. It didn't seem like it was wonky. It seemed legit. Mm-hmm. Um, I told my buddy Alfred, I go, "Hey man, I got his tickets. I got his tickets." Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> oh my god! So, yeah, uh, he had a, he got there earlier because I was at a I was having lunch with uh oh my god I can't think of his name, uh. Yeah, Gordon. I was having lunch with Gordon Ramsay, <laughs> and so I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, because I had the, the Gordon Ramsay thing set up, and so I had to send Alfred ahead of me to go. So he caught the first few matches. I caught the second half. Mm. But when I got there, I was very impressed with again the production value. It was as good. It was as good as as, as the you know as uh as the as the other guys, the matches. The, the my favorite match was uh. The young gun, young bucks, young, you know, young young bucks versus uh, Lucha yeah. Brothers, Pentagon and Phoenix. Oh my God, that that match was just—it was nonstop. They're in the ring, they're out of the ring, they're they're doing things in sync. I mean, I was I was I was blown away by that match. I had never seen the the young it was the young, young bucks, bucks young, young bucks. bucks. Yeah. I had never seen them wrestle before, mm. and I was just like, where have these guys been? Mm. And I beca- I became fans of, of of names and faces that I had never seen before, and it was. It was one of those things where it, when I thought it was over, clearly it wasn't over. Um, you know, you had the match, you had the, the belt. And and I'm like, wow, OK, this is awesome. And I'm trying to walk out of the building with, with my buddy Alfred and Tommy Dreamer stops us. And he's like, where are you going? I go, well, I got a, I got a show to do. He goes, you're walking out. It's the best part. Turn around. Just keep watching. And sure, shit, you know, you guys set it off, and I'm like, oh my god! And even then, when I thought, okay, now it's over. Next thing you know, there's a freaking, you know, uh, Mo- Cody's out there with a sledgehammer, oh. and I'm like,
0: wow. <laughs> that's when John, that's when John Moxley came down and beat up Kenny and me. Yeah.
1: Oh Cody, man, yeah. we we had such a great time, and we talked about it. We're like, wow, this this is legit. Mm. This is legit. We knew we were gonna have a good time, but we didn't think that it was gonna, you know, be at that same level and we felt that it was Hmm. and I I think that's I I think that was everyone's opinion I think that's why it was all all out I think then we just sold
0: out uh, for the the first TV taping in three hours that's in October so you You guys guys, guys have an amazing product thank you man it's an exciting time for a wrestling fan and to be in the business as well you know yeah coming out the gate because I feel like
1: I had that whole, is it going to be like TNA when they first came out? Because it was like, oh, the rumblings, oh, we're coming out there. And it was like,
0: oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. But uh, I didn't get that from AEW. Mm-hmm. Like you said, there's a lot of guys that are like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and, uh, that, that have been doing this for years that mainstream wrestling fans have never heard of that are going to do, do the same thing that you just did. Like, where have these guys been? They'll be 10-year overnight sensations. You know, they've been doing it for so long that are going to blow people's minds. And that's why I was really excited about it as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. So,
0: hey, give, give me a 4X uh, shirt
1: that I couldn't find that night.
0: <laughs> a 4X AEW shirt? Like, 4X AEW. I'll rock it. I'll get you one. I'll rock it. I'll get you one. <laughs> La- last question for you. I always, if I if I have a wrestlers on, I'll ask them what their favorite match they've ever had and, and, and bands, what's their favorite song they play. For you, is there a certain gig that stands out for you that was like a special gig, um, your favorite gig that you ever did? Uh, well, the one that really stands out to me is the one right here on the floor, April seventeenth,
1: uh, twenty fifteen, Madison Square Garden. You know, I could say I played the big house. That's crazy. Yeah, as the headliner, as the headliner. So that was like okay. Dude, that- uh, I even told the crowd, I says, you know, er- every time I do interviews and people ask me, when did you know you made it? And I go, I've never wanted to say that because I feel like when you say that, you stop growing. Once you say you've gotten to the to your destination, why keep pushing? Why keep moving forward? And so I never wanted to say that because I felt like it would psychologically make me stop trying harder. Uh, I says, but I says, but after tonight, <laughs> if someone asks me, what did you know you made it?" I go, "I'm gonna have a date." I says, <laughs> yeah, and I says, I says, I'm gonna say it's April fifteenth. You know, uh, April fifteenth, so April twenty fifteen. Yeah. Uh, Madison Square Garden New York City and when I said that the whole building erupted because I said you guys this today people are going to know today is, is the day because after after playing Madison Square Garden you can't be like yeah you know I'm still struggling to kind of you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a struggling comic to try to be,
0: <laughs> don't be a dick you're playing MSG <laughs> you're Avato from SoCal playing yeah. MSG that's not bad <laughs> dude I'm excited for the cruise and we're going to have a great time and I'll make sure to introduce you to Rick Flair and uh, don't fanboy too bad when you meet him
1: so, hey, so tell everybody now that uh, who's, the, who's the new host now? Oh,
0: let's, they, they were going to announce it? Let's do it. Let's here it is it. right here. Well, well, uh, Brad Williams uh, couldn't make the cruise because of his wife having the audacity to have a baby during the cruise. But why, the new why, host. Why'd you knock up your wife? <laughs> uh, you knew you had a cruise to go to. Damn Brad. you. The new host <laughs> of the cruise, Gabriel Iglesias, right here. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that basically, what the host means is that you you have to basically follow me around. You have to carry my bags. You have to uh, pour me a drink. You have to clean my cabin if I need it. All that sort of stuff. That's all. What, that's, I'm in. That's what Brad I'm agreed a, to in. do, man. <laughs> you know,
1: I I, my, I just bought a house next door to Brad Williams' grandma. Really? I didn't even know. Really? Yeah. Brad hits me up and he goes, "Hey, did you just buy a house at such and such?" I'm like, "How the hell do they know? Because it's not even in my name. I put it under a you know a different name." Yeah. How do you? I don't even go there. Yeah. And like you live next door to my grandma. <laughs> she's she's ninety years old and she knows you live there. And I'm like, oh my god. Well, you registered
0: under a different name, but you registered under Fluffy.
1: No, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. No, his grandma. She's ninety years old, but she's like neighborhood watch. Oh, good. She's neighborhood watch. She knows what's going on oh, in really? and out. Yeah,
0: that's great, man. Like, well, shout out to Brad's grandma.
1: Shout out to Brad's grandma and shout out to Brad's uh, future kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And shout out to to the new host of the of the
0: Jericho. Yes, story. the new host of the the Jericho Cruise, Gabriel Iglesias. <laughs> Thank you, dude. All right, thanks to Fluffy. Uh, Gabriel's Beyond the Fluffy World Tour 2019 starts Friday, this Friday, in North Dakota. I used to go there from Winnipeg for vacation. It's uh, quite the happening place. You can get tickets at fluffyguy.com. Make sure you check him out. He's so funny. And his Netflix comedy series, Mystery Glaciers, just got picked up for season two. Go binge season one so that you're ready when new episodes come out next year. And of course, you will see him hosting Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Ranger at C Part 2. It's sold out, but you can still get on the waiting list at Chris chrisjerichocruise.com if somebody uh can't uh can't uh, make the reservation happen uh can't uh, can't go go to the go to the cruise or whatever if a cabin opens up before we set sail in january you'll be able to join us for the vacation of a lifetime. there's still a chance go to chrisjerichocruise.com sign up for the waiting list to get on the ship with fluffy rick flair nwo jake roberts booker t mvp the guerreros uh, jack slade is keeping the ice uh, cold and ready craig gas Fozzie, Fozzy, Farewell to Fear, Kickaxe, Light the Torch, uh, Rubik's Cube, Jared James Nichols, Dave Spivak Project, Killer Queens, the whole AEW crew, the Young Bucks, Cody, Kenny Omega, Brandi Rhodes, Hangman Page, John Moxley, Penelope Ford, Luchasaurus, MJF, all the famous uh, big stars will be there. DDP, Beyond the Darkness, Telling Ghost Stories. Go get on the waiting list at chrisjericocruise.com and go to fozzyrock.com to get tickets for the last four shows of the Unleashed in the West Tour Uh, We are going to be in Dallas uh, tonight, September 25th at Canton Hall with Jared James Nichols and Sons of Texas. September 26th, Houston at The Warehouse Live, Jared James Nichols and Sons of Texas. September 27th, Hattiesburg, Mississippi with Jared James Nichols. And September 28th in Atlanta at The Masquerade. Looks like that show's probably going to sell out with Jared James Nichols. Tantric, Trapped, Southern Arm Wrestling will be there Lots of stuff going on. It's a, it's a huge festival there. So go to fozzyrock.com. Your last chance to see the shows before we go back into the studio and your last chance to get one of our VIP meet and greets. Hundreds of people have joined us this tour for a, a mini concert, hanging out with us, getting stuff signed, taking pictures, just having a great time. So all of that information at fozzyrock.com. All right, coming up on Friday. He's one of the hottest acts today with uh, Jungle Boy, who has been on this show before. It's his partner. The Luchasaurus is uh, is uh, coming up from, from before Christ times, uh, coming up from the prehistoric times to uh, speak very eloquent English with us here on talk to Jericho. So we'll see you Friday. In the meantime and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And a big, yeah, boy, Martin! Martin! Martin!
1: He lives in the hood. I don't get out the car. Across the street, there are these gang members. The kind of gang members, they don't really get into, you know, like shooting people and stuff like that. They just hang out on the porch and talk a lot of smack. And so I'm there in a beetle, and across the street, I hear this, right? I'm like, Martin! And over here, I hear, Orale! Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? How'd you get in there, is <laughs> it?
0: Hurry up, man!